0: April 22nd, 2020. Today we discuss education and education systems. I am Michael Askins, Architect Taste Labs, and this is the Technology Architecture Solutions Engineering Show. Today we have Mr. Girl with us as usual, returning champion. How are you? I'm I'm doing
1: good. You seem really energetic today with the lemur on your shoulder, custom background. Uh, I like it.
0: Yeah, that, that static lemur not moving is more energetic than I am today. <laughs> It's been uh it's been a busy week for us, huh?
1: It's been a very busy week and it's only Wednesday. Yeah it's been it's been a major uptick in you know, kind of things all around. It's crazy. But I like that you're uh, rocking my alma mater colors there in your in your sweater, WVU style. I like it. My sweater that I'm wearing? Yeah, it's all like like you might be wearing a WVU shirt. I could just see like your shoulders, but it's yellow and blue, gold and blue. I like it.
0: Uh, okay. So we got to adjust the light balance. So it's actually, <laughs> it's actually gray. Mm. At least it looks gray to me. And it isn't WVU. It is no, no guess. Penguins. Penguins. Uh, and And the hoodie is.
1: Okay. I could have guessed that. <laughs>
0: yeah. So yeah, for sure. Um, what is things to think about when you start talking about remote schooling? So we know this pandemic stuff has been forcing people to school from home, um, but let's 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 take that off to the side. We'll just parking lot that. Just thinking in general. So K twelve and higher ed. There's always been these schools that do the online learning and they have all these portals and custom things and things of that nature. But when we start talking about like check-in boxes for like state requirements for education and interacting and best ways to interact in in your experience, what are some of the things to think about, look at and uh, address from an education perspective?
1: Yeah. So, you know, my comment about your shirt was the perfect segue into education, right? Yep. See see what I did there. Yep. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. So coming from from my perspective, I usually uh, well, I I say I'm not usually one of these these guys, but I am usually one of these guys. If you know me Um, in some shows in the past, I've called myself a uh, not a developer, but I pretend to be sometimes I'm even more not of a security guy, but I pretend to be sometimes. And when I hear K through 12, specifically, my security hat comes on. Um, I think when you're doing remote learning, uh, K through 12, you need to be very, very, very careful about the security aspects around it. Um, maybe it's just because I'm a little protective of that space, I guess. But you know, you're know, you going to have uh, miners, um, by definition, logging into a remote uh, online learning system, whatever that may be. And not only do you need to be careful about the super... Gross bad actors out there trying to get that that video feed, but also just the, the the bad actors trying to get that data, right? So, what kind of data protection do you have for these K through twelve people? Making sure that that data is secure, making sure that people aren't uh, able to get things they shouldn't be getting. Um, that's kind of the first and foremost thing that I see. And, and in addition to that, K through twelve. It's funny that this this um, is so timely my old, uh, high school, uh, in the town I'm still living here is actually circulating documentation. I heard through, through the grapevine that apparently teachers are kind of going overboard with the, the, uh, the, online, I guess, remote working thing as, as part of this pandemic. Um, and I know we're going to kind of try to keep it uh, generic on remote working. It sounds like the show, but, you know, obviously looping back into the the current, uh, state of things, it seems like teachers are kind of flexing too hard thinking that, Oh, well they're working or <laughs> working, but uh, learning from home, apparently there's, you know, an, an uptick in, in sort of the amount of, of, um, Work that they need to be given because they think that they're you know having it easy working from home, and I think they're going a little bit overboard in some people's opinion and and kind of stressing them out unnecessarily so um, first and foremost, I would say security is is what comes into my head, and the second thing is finding that balance of yeah, maybe you need to give them a little bit more work because they don't have to be you know going to school and they don't have that interaction, et cetera, but finding that appropriate balance of of not overloading them either I think is super critical.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with all those sentiments. And the one thing that I do want to call out is, is out of your statement is, is getting at what people outside of the direct learning sphere being, you know, the K-12 student, teacher and administration, getting at the the data, if you will, it's, it's getting at the, the actual people. So having two children, myself, the one thing that is completely annoying is, is the fact that and i and i preface that by saying annoying but i actually am okay with this is the fact that if they need to print something off the gyrations we have to do to get stuff out of the system that they're using to me to be able to print that print it for them is it's not Herculean. It's not difficult at all. It's it's just a real pain in the butt, right? And I understand why because you don't want to have these users, um, and and again to your point, they're minors. You don't want to have them exposed to people online. There's like groups and all the services that you see. Uh, our particular district mostly uses um, Google Classroom, and the challenge is that. Like they have all these services, the same services you can get outside of it, but it's in this locked sphere of control. And uh, we're lucky enough to have, you know, for the majority of our students, uh, age ranges or grade level. Um, you know, if you if you're on, you know, grade, grade seven, grade eight, grade nine, grade 12, all the way through to grade 12. I mean, it's a one to one device device situation, which is huge, right? So you're not only just controlling um, how they get at the stuff, but you're also controlling, you know, content and things like that, that they're exposed to, which is, which is super cool. And, you know, I and I appreciate that um, there are solutions out there that are tailor made for remote learning. Uh, it's, you see it mostly in, in higher ed, but occasionally you see some of these solutions in, counties or school districts that have, you know, massive amounts of disruption in their learning due to seasonal things such as snowstorms, like up here in the Northeast, you know, there's a swath across the Maryland belt where, you know, like normally where we're at in, you know, Southwestern Pennsylvania, mostly for the most part of our year, we're in this space, in this place, um, the thing that is unique is we have a snow day and it's like, ah, oh, free, free day, free for all. And we we build in snow days. They don't really do that there. And what they do is they, they account for, okay, it's a school from home day. It's a you know don't come in get log into your classroom or whatever system they they use more robust systems and I say robust not like I'm smacking Classroom or or some of the Microsoft solutions it's it's tailor built for for that controlled experience like Blackboard is one of them there's many of them but Blackboard is the one that comes to mind like you know Duquesne University used to use Blackboard a lot and there's some a lot a lot of organizations use that but you see that being adopted by and i I think coming out of you know current current events you're going to see these solutions being included as part of the norm we won't we won't have to bake in you know five to seven we call them snow days um people in the south won't understand what those are but snow days of like you get so much snow or it's too cold and the buses run on diesel and it's bad for the trucks the the diesel trucks to run which baffles me because the plows are diesel but they can run i don't get it regardless (laughs) regardless um So there's that whole there's that whole bit around that. Right. So so you're I think, you know, as we talk about business, I think from an education perspective, it's going to start to be part of the new norm where we start thinking of these things. Um, Case in point, uh, if I keep waxing on poetic here, um, the thing that really baffled me and there was a school district around us that was closed for four days in a really warm Period. It wasn't like anything was bad because there was a massive major water break and the facilities for health code reasons say you need to have running water. So some school districts approached it with, "Okay, we're going to we have a reserve of bottled water and we have extra facilities that are temporary facilities for people to to, you know, take a bio break, if you will. Other school districts were like, yeah, we got nothing. And so what we're going to do is close and we're going to use our school day or snow days because we need to be off. Um, and then you start throwing in things like bad actors making you know threats against the community, and they they come off your snow days. And so when you see the school calendars come out with like the the, the day that school's supposed the last day of school is supposed to be, and a lot of people plan their vacations around that, they're like, Okay, the next day we're going, and you have to tack on three five days additional to school so that you have a 10 day swing, there's better ways to do stuff. Right. And, and you stop and think it's like, this stuff's not new. It's, it's been largely kept at arm's length because of some of the sensitiveness. And so what are the options for organizations? So there is a couple things that you think of, you think of complete remote learning, then you can think of that hybrid learning where you are interacting with a teacher or a facilitator. And you're also able to do things remote and interact with them digitally. So a couple of solutions in that sphere we're going to kind of target because it affects businesses too. Businesses can use these solutions to help embolden and teach and educate their 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 teams and their users, especially if you're in the education sphere or provide services, you can tailor your, your solutions to be on top of Google Classroom or be on top of the Microsoft One OneNote Classroom or, or Class Microsoft four classrooms. There's a varied myriad of services around that. Uh, But uh, I find it very compelling that, you know, we keep talking about the new norm with, you know, a good majority of businesses rethinking, do we really need to have this giant office building with all this rent we're paying and all these, um, you know, soft costs, electric power, heating, cooling, you know, schools might be in a a similar, not saying that we'd want them to be, you know, completely homeschooled because, those age groups who would want to have physical interactions that's i mean they're being formed and built and we don't want people to be just screen screen related we want people to be people related so yeah th- that was a whole lot i just like kind of totally plowed out there ever god knows five minutes <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry listen yeah, audience
1: but <laughs> that's all good stuff and that's something i was going to bring up too is how do you think i mean i think it's a little bit different with you know our age groups where, you know, we've had that interaction. We, we, we have interaction in in other ways, families and friends and and whatnot, and social things are kind of set up. And I know that there's a certain group of of people that do homeschooling, but they usually supplement that with some sort of team sports or, or something like that. So no, no shade on them. But how do you think that, um, you know, if this does become a reoccurring thing, um, how do you think that this is going to, going to affect, you know, the social aspect of, of, K through 12 specifically.
0: So, so I'm kind of mixed on that. Um, I look at how, again, I have children roughly 12 and soon to be 17. So the way they interact with each other now isn't much different than how they interacted with their peers and friends before the, before this event occurred. That's making the majority of the school districts in, in our region Stay home. They're largely glued to text and Insta spam and uh, Face space and all these other social connectedness type applications. And also within within specific games, I know there's um, kids that really only truly interact with their friends outside of school through. Oddly enough, Minecraft and um, the other game is uh, Animal Crossing, which I can't believe is still around. So you like you see, I know adults that play Animal Crossing. I know, and, and I'm not casting Spursions against the game. Uh, that I, I hear it's a wonderful. It's really great. It's a great way to decompress and build and and create. And so. So I'm all for it. So do, do, don't get me wrong there, but what I, what I'm trying to lead to is like this is how a lot of the youth interact with each other. Um, there was a a party for for my youngest, and it was kind of like a bunch of friends getting together. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. We're going to be at that age where it's like I'm going to drop you off, and you better be ready by you know 11:30. I'm picking you up, even though that's kind of late for you, but special. <laughs> never left the house (laughs) had a headset on with a microphone you know on the xbox doing rocket league you know it's like
1: so times are changing and and kind of fitting into that being the social norm anyway
0: correct yeah so it seems like it seems like and again i'm not saying that that's the only way people do it but it's it's easier for that generation to adapt to how we're are now versus the previous generations because the previous generations now you see i'm sure you see online a lot of the whole i did all my chores and i did all this and that and the other and i'm still bored or like losing my mind they're going crazy because they're like they're craving craving that interaction with a body a person uh you know looking across at someone so you know i'm not saying to abandon that that's the way it, it, it one way is better than the other i think the personally it's kind of a mix of the two that makes things more whole because well-roundedness and whole is important um but there's there's tech there's technical things that need to Go and play here. Are we protecting, protecting our youth? Are we making sure that um, bad actors aren't getting at us and our stuff through our devices? Are we we have good hygiene on our home networking and our home gear? Um, you know how how many how many listeners? If you're an IT pro, honestly, please listen to this and 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 answer this to yourself honestly. When was the last time you went into your router and updated the firmware on your router? When was the last time you went into your connected thermostat or your 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 webcam service? Like you know, Nest has those two as well, and Wise. And I'm not going to pick on any specific one because they're all in the same category. They are a device that uh, has firmware on it that you know bad actors can. Put a little bit of code on there, start snaking your passwords and logging into your bank accounts and doing th- different things. Uh, we were just recently on a, a shameless plug for um, our day job, one of our partners. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes um, once once it goes live. We, we participated or I participated in I know the media side you worked out. Uh, a a pretty big engagement where they were talking about security and home remote workers. And, you know, IOT is a real thing, Um, a real challenge. You know, they brought up issues with, you know, Alexa and I'll say Cortana she's she's in there too and google home there's yeah that's one niche but when was the last time you updated your stuff and because like now it's the safety of your kids when was the last time you spoke with your children about what pictures they post online and taking their device and making sure that when they when they have a picture that the gps's are not put in the metadata or the xf information of that picture not just the metadata but the xf information which is essentially metadata, but at another layer, right? So ask yourself that. And are you truly, you know, protecting your your, your youth? And, and then, you know, thinking, again, technically, like, what is, what is all the stuff that goes into these different solutions? And I'm not going to say one's better than the other because you know, I, I have a preference and – you know, I lead with, with what I know and what I can control, but I also understand like my kids use Google classroom a lot and it's really nice to see the card layout and seeing the assignments on there. Are you familiar with Google classroom?
1: I surprisingly not. I mean, I've heard about it. I've like read about it and watched videos on it, but I actually never got to use it. My, uh, high school was kind of missing the boat on that. They're a little bit better now. Um, but back in my day, it was not really widespread. We, we were the part of the team that was just like, Oh, it's a snow day. You have a free day. Um, and in my college, they usually did blackboard. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of my remote learning through college was in blackboard. So Google classroom, um, never really got to see how it worked. If it was good, if it was bad, good, bad, ugly. I'm kind of, I'm not, I'm not familiar on that one.
0: Yeah, for sure. So it, it's it is a straightforward, very straightforward. It's essentially a front end, um, teamwork type card based uh, solution and I'm oversimplifying it it's more than that obviously there's an administration side that's that is pretty robust it allows you to you know interface with users users accounts and then there's the whole Chromebook bit where you if you have a Chromebook and your accounts are on it you can manage the whole experience end to end when I say experience unlike when I mentioned that in a business context I'm talking about being fast and, and responsive and intuitive I'm saying the experience as in what you're Allowed to do when things are supposed to be done, and how do you interact with with people of authority inside the system, uh, be it teachers and administration? So uh, it is it is decent, you know. It, it allows me to you know stroll on out to the one room and say, "Hey, show me your class, the Google Classroom." And there's all the classes card based, all stacked around, and I can look and see what's due when, and if it's been turned in, if it hasn't, and and it is intuitive. So it helps it helps me not have to be teacher. Um, Not that I don't want to be, but uh, when I say teacher, I'm saying the administration side of teacher, like making sure things are done and making sure assignments get in their hands. If this was happened when I was their age, uh, first of all, probably who knows what would have happened. But if they did decide to like homeschool or remote school, we would have been like there would have been book pickup day. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and then we would have our list of stuff and somebody would have to say on this day you do this and we'd fill out the paperwork and then have drop off points. And so, so I, I am grateful of all the solutions for that. So teams has been used a lot too. And some of these systems and school districts that have teams uh, or has teams for administration are also enabling teams because of its, its unique ability to, 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 be a little more, I don't want to say intuitive, because like anybody can run Google Classroom if you can run a mouse, but it just seems lo- the the way it is logically, it seems more robust, right? So are you familiar with people using Teams from a learning perspective, as well as extending that a little bit further and talking about OneNote for Classroom?
1: On the Teams front, uh, I am a little bit, I've I've interacted with some colleagues and and such that that do use that from a learning perspective usually in the in the higher education space um i haven't really heard of it from the k through 12 just because i'm not associated with those i don't have kids of my own so um, i'm not really exposed to that level but from a from a college layer i have heard some people using that and it's kind of funny the amount of people that um I've, i've heard not really fights that's the wrong word but Arguments, I'll call them about whether um, you know college age people should be uh, connecting with Teams or connecting with Zoom. So you'll have a group of people that use Zoom for their, their college experience. They're like, hey, let's hop on a Zoom call. And then the group of people that use uh, Teams are like, oh, I don't know how to use that. Let's use a Teams call. And then other people are like, oh, Teams is too complicated. No, Zoom is too complicated. So it's kind of just whatever you use is what they go with. But um, I've heard of OneNote for Classroom. Um, I'm not really sure that I know much about it, though. So for the listeners and for myself, why don't you explain a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So if, if you follow our uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, et cetera, uh, for our day job, you'll see that I posted a while back some stuff about the Teams and OneNote notebooks. So there are several several branches to when you think of education in OneNote. Um, so I'm, I'm going to rewind a little bit and address A couple things. So, first of all, some school districts, ours particularly, said we can interface, provide with your permission, with your children. Through they listed off uh, several collaboration video communication talk perspective uh, solutions and zoom was one of them and I don't want my kids using zoom because in my mind at this point they haven't addressed a bunch of security things yet so so I'm not that guy to you know stop my feet and say hey look at me and look what you're doing but I I Kind of sent a, a nudge to those who would interface with our children, say, I prefer Teams at this point because some of the security bits around that, if you're going to do that, um, or WebEx Teams. Uh, I'll, I'll even yeah WebEx Teams is is another enterprise grade security focused um, solution. So so from interfacing with someone and having a call through Teams is is one aspect of it. Uh, the other aspect is actually having content and lessons. With audio and video recording, all within the one environment, be it OneNote, that is, say, embedded in a team, is fine. You don't even have to embed it. It can just be a standalone OneNote. But you have an ability to have a teacher notebook, an administration notebook, and a student notebook. And there's there's mechanisms in which teachers can bring their... Their lessons, their videos, their 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 audio, their whiteboarding. Um, even solving, say, say you're a chemist or you know, equations or math or writing styles, you can show in real time or video and, and have it, Playback in real time what you're trying to get across as opposed to say, Hey, here's a collection of YouTube videos. Go learn the content. You're actually still instructing on how you want to interpret that content and you're delivering it inside of teams and it has the ability to have homework and quizzes and handouts and takeaways and, and, and an ability for that to be built inside of the teacher notebook and assign it out to your class or a subset of your class depending on you know how how you do your do your work it, which is really nice so there are similar capabilities within you know Google I'm going to focus on Google Classroom Blackboard is its own thing those those larger I'll use the word behemoth style systems for for for-profit higher ed or even for for not-for-profit higher ed. Um, That's its own thing, right? That's distance learning solutions. This is more that hybrid solution where you still need to interact with people. uh, Even if you don't want to, you can or if you can. Go for it, but there is abilities for these teachers to build this out and truly flesh out what it what what they want to teach and how they want to get their messaging across because that's important, right? the The fa- facts are facts, and those facts need to be disseminated. But those facts. Being retained is has a lot to do with the delivery of those facts. and And OneNote does a really great job at that. And if you're a OneNote subscriber, you can actually add on to like so if you're a teacher and say you use OneNote personally because you have, whatever reason you have OneNote for, um, and you decide, you know, your organization decides like, oh yeah, we're going to do our classes through this, or you want to do your classes through this. You can add that onto your, your OneNote, And it just adds some additional capabilities to be able to see who's turning what in and questions and interactiveness with your students. It's a uh, pretty straightforward, um, you know, there is a slight uh, curve to, to getting some of that back end fleshed out. But once you it's one of those things where once you get the eight ton boulder slightly rolling, it just becomes a thing of its own. And it becomes it's native intuitiveness, I, I guess. Native intuitiveness. That's not a real thing, but I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's
1: interesting. I, I my my thought that comes on all of that. And obviously, you're going to be taking point here in a lot of this because you're living it right now. But my thought on all of that is um, how, how what does that look like from a hardware perspective? So I know that like if you and I wanted to do a teaching session, it would be quite easy because we have surfaces everywhere and touch screens and monitors and, and et cetera. But on the devices that your your, uh, your kids and, and other students that you're aware of are, are getting are they touchscreens? Uh, and if not, how are they, are they just doing kind of keyboard form-based um, quizzes or, or or homework or something like that? Or are they actually printing it out and scanning it back up? Like, what does that look like?
0: Yeah, so, so I'll tell you how ours are currently operating right now. And there's two factions with both of mine. They both operate differently. And this goes to the flexibility of cer- certain solutions, right? So my oldest has a Chromebook, And uses that Chromebook for school and other things too, oddly enough, but mostly for school, and goes in, does all the school stuff, and walks away from it. But done. Complete school district provided solution. Now, my other has the opportunity to have that complete school district experience. And you know which one this one is as soon as I start talking. However, they choose to not. You do it that way. They chose to use a surface because this particular child of mine is definitely a more of a Microsoft person and loves the touch screens, loves the ability to create and build and, and do things, um, and not have a curated experience, but make that experience unique to themselves. So they go and do it, like they're allowed to log into these sol- these school district solutions, but as with business, this is the the, the big finger in the air. And if, if this was a video, you'd see me waving my finger profusely in the air. When you take that device and you sign it into the school district's system, the school district has control over it. Just like if you were in business and you used a BYOD device and you said, I'm going to use my ipad my my surface my hp dell insert product here and you as soon as you put that username and password in for your business and it talks to azure active directory um, it says we want to have control of your device and we can see everything you do and so make sure when you're logged in you're doing the right stuff right Um, same thing with the school districts so applaud the system and/ or those who chose to do things that way because that's the way we keep people safe. It's the way we do stuff, right? So again, two starkly same school district, two starkly different approaches, and the district's nimble enough and configured in such a way that they can that they can go and um, provide that service to best fit the community at large.
1: Hats off to them for doing that because that's going to could be awesome. I know that maybe some you know parents have some issues with school districts touching their own devices, but you know I think that's the way to keep keep everybody safe and, and fair and and happy. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a, a new segment in this that I can touch on more because I can't really touch on the the current state, but I want to talk about the future state. So let's fast forward, you know, a number of years in the future and um, what that generation of students is going to look like. Uh, you know, we're, we're making huge advancements here kind of cause we have to with the, with the pandemic. Um, that lemur is awesome. I might have to include a picture of you in your lemur. <laughs> yeah,
0: let's not, uh, let's not, let's not do that.
1: <laughs> it's like perfectly on your shoulder though. That's so awesome.
0: I feel um, a little, I feel a little worse for wear today after, a, <laughs> you know, a most long night of working. So, <laughs>
1: yes. Um, so, Going in our, our time machine and going like, you know, 25 years in the future, we're making huge strides, like I said, with the, with the pandemic on, on, you know, like you mentioned earlier in the show, when, you know, next year, let's say the p- pandemic's over, everything's fine, we have a vaccine, whatever it is, and, um, you know, a snowstorm hits this isn't going to be a big deal anymore from business and education alike, right? Because we were forced to go through the, the growing pains of of remote learning. So a snowstorm hits and and most organizations and, and most um, institutions, learning institutions are just going to be like, okay, well, it's a learn from home day. No big mm-hmm. deal. It's, it's just what we do now. So it's the new normal, right? So fast forward 25 years in the future. One thing that I kind of want to want to talk about is, is the, um, the, Potential advancement of things like Hololens. So, can you imagine? You know, learn from home, but you're sitting in a desk. You're in a virtual classroom. You have avatars of all of the different people in in that room, and obviously, there's security concerns around all of that. And I get it, but security advances, hardware and, and software advances as well, and you can literally have that social interaction uh, in, in more more digitally, right? So there's something to be said about, you know, like you said, playing in Minecraft and having that tactile kind of collaborative, almost team sport virtually is what we're doing now. Um, but think about that in the future where you can have virtual virtual um, uh, classroom settings. So that, that might not be the only solution, you know, I'm not saying everybody go in their in their bunkers and never leave. But on a snow day, you can not miss a beat. You put on your headset, you're sitting in your class, you have a virtual representation of your teacher with a Microsoft whiteboard, and you're literally learning in the classroom, but virtually, I think that would be incredible. And we're already seeing some of that in learning space, you know, today with HoloLens, where specifically, uh, you know, I know of the medical field, um, where they're doing kind of uh, 3d animations of, of different things that you can like go in and touch and move and not feel, but sort of, you know, interact with the human body to kind of see how everything like fits together. So when you open somebody up as a surgeon the first time, it's not a surprise. Um, (laughs) we're already doing that today. And if you fast forward 25 years from now, I think that's going to be incredible for, for the learning sector.
0: Yeah, I I agree. It, It will definitely be, uh, it'll be a thing. Uh, and you'll see it um you know here's here's the unfortunate bit is y- y- we tend to see these advancements in more affluent uh, school districts or districts that have the budget to say do such a thing uh, i would like to see it more across all spectrums and all demographics and all rural to urban to suburban to y- you name it uh, because i think that's where where we're, we're mass adoption will, will happen. And, you know, again, I'm going to take my, my hats off to, I'm just going to call out our school district again. I won't name them, not a sponsor, Um, (laughs) but uh, the one thing they did was multiple emails from their systems saying that we are going to do remote learning and here's what to expect. We're going to do remote learning and here's what to expect. So, we being my family are um, – i I'm not using this word in a religious sense, but we are blessed enough to have devices because of what I do that it's its quite easy for me to like take something I work on and reprovision it for the, the kid I told you that likes surfaces as opposed to Chromebooks. It's easy for me to do that some families have one computer for the whole family and and most families do actually. Uh, And that's why you see so many people chicken pecking on their phones because that's their personal device and where they can feel safe that, you know, somebody's not going to screw up what they're doing or what have you. Um, So, so the appeal to, do you have internet? If you don't, we have hotspots for you. Do you need another computer or do you need a computer so you can operate and learn, Um, you know, we have a, a a very a very good school district that we have that here there's a lot of school districts that don't have that you know I, I would think more don't than do and, and it's not like we're in an affluent area it's we have more of a a, a press of the foot down on technology and you know, I, I applaud our school district, but I, I encourage people to help support their school district so that they can have a similar, similar experience, so that they can have so we can have you know democratization of of IT that we talk about in the business sense, but we can have that in the education world as well. Because, you know, you don't know where the next rising star programmer is going to come out of it can come out of could come out of farmlands it could come out of urban it could come out of suburban you don't know in giving somebody that opportunity is what is clutch right and i'm in without saying anything about it and because this is not the forum for that but i'm very big on making sure that technology is enabled i know across our communities that that we 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 live in and the more I get go down that rabbit hole, the more I see how technically deficient we are in a lot of those areas. Um, so, again, hats off to our district for for doing. And it's not the right thing for just taking this approach. But also, you know, the listeners across the globe, you know, what is it? Think about what is the districts that I'm in uh, doing. And if you don't have children, it's just as important to you that you still have that concern because technologically they're our future and, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now, they're going to be at the helm. Right.
1: Yeah. I think that, um, yeah, I've, I've kept an eye on a lot of that on, on what school districts mine and, and, you know, mine in my area are doing just really out of sheer curiosity. And, um, it seems like a lot of them are moving, you know, towards the, the Chromebook and, and iPad, um, realm, now because of necessity. So, you know, I think in the future, um, obviously, and this is unfortunate truth, um, I think that the more affluent areas are gonna be the the, the leaders in things like virtual uh, reality and augmented reality as they likely were the leaders in in iPads and Chromebooks and that sort of learning mechanism. Um, but I think that'll trickle down and, and as things get cheaper, um, I mean, I don't even have a hollow lens cause I don't want to drop the money on it right now. Um, so me being in, in my space, I don't have it, but as, as things going, in the future, uh, if things get cheaper, things get more, uh, robust. I think that unfortunately it'll probably start as you described where the more affluent areas are, are, are doing that because they have the means. Um, but I think moving forward, it'll, it'll likely spread to the, to the less affluent areas as well.
0: Yep. Absolutely. So shameless, shameless, shameless plug for, you know, our, our partner, Microsoft, um, the one thing that I found super encouraging is that, you know, I've been down, you know, the IoT HoloLens, that whole path, right? I go down that path a lot. I live in that space a lot. And so so the one thing that I found super interesting is that the uh, VR headsets that people use for gaming and Google services and things like SketchUp and Minecraft, and you, you you buckle all that stuff together. And there's these experiences within Microsoft and support within Microsoft for augmented reality and things of that nature um, and there, there, there's a big take on like businesses doing these virtual monuments and and interacting with people in a virtual way either through ar or through phones or, or lenses or headsets and things of that nature so so we have some vre type things here in fact one of my the more technical side of, of my children um, they're both technical but one's like super wants to code the world. Um <laughs> strange, but go for <laughs> it, dude. Um he uh he has a VR headset for for gaming and it's it's pretty cool, it's great. And then I sit there and I'm thinking to myself like, okay, it, that'll get old and aside from me getting motion sick and nauseous, um yeah, that's cool, but then I'm like inside of I'm inside of Visual Studio Code and I see updates for like repositories for bringing in, you know, SketchUp worlds into a, you know, a De- Teams deploy that interfaces with that headset, not necessarily the Microsoft HoloLens, but with that particular headset, right? And then I see, you know, Google has very similar things, but I see from, from the business side and to your point, it would be nothing to create a dotted line to a VR classroom. I mean, Mm -hmm. it, it it wouldn't take, I mean, it would take effort, but I think that we're there enough that if it's, if it's not being done already, I'm sure it's being done. I just haven't really looked, but if it's not being done at scale soon, it will be.
1: Yes. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think it's particularly for, it's easy in our, our space, right? Because, you know, we, we work from home most of the time, You know, even times that we are on site, we necessarily don't have to be. So we don't really see a huge issue with, with what we're doing and what we're living now. Um, sometimes we go on site just for the FaceTime because they want it or we want it. You know, It's nice to be across the table from somebody to kind of sketch something out, but it's a nice to have, it's not a requirement. But there's a number of professions that you really need that social interaction, right? I mean, uh, there's a million there's there's sales you know you need that social interaction for the sales kind of extroverty type people and uh for hands on you know work like in the trades you need you need to be there you can't there's no option for a remote remote worker right so um for those type of individuals that are learning um i think it'll be super awesome to uh, be able to to pop on the, the headset and, and go there. And one example I had is one of uh, my wife's really good friends is a uh, she's in medical school and she's doing her residency and they're kind of stuck right now because they don't have the gear to have her kind of go through and, and follow and learn and do things like masks and face masks and, and all of that. Uh, but you can't really do that from home. <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't remotely be a resident. So, you know, the VR level what? of that would be okay. awesome
0: can you i mean, I mean can
1: you could you? have you could have home people you could have people just come into your house and do a drive-through kind
0: of so so you know you know those things that go on top of the cars that google drives and get street view just put them on a hard hat and put them on top of who you're supposed to follow so you get that 360 pan view of everything they're doing well what i was going to say is
1: actually not far off of that is Hololens or you know the other plethora of, of VR devices, right? I mean, Google Glass could do this, which kind of fell off the face of the earth and maybe is going to make a resurfacing. Who knows? But pop a, pop some goggles on because they're going to be wearing goggles anyway, right? Pop a a, uh, a microphone and a camera on it and have somebody at home that can't physically be there for safety reasons or sick reasons or, or whatever it may be. Pop that on. At least they can follow around and hear what's going on. Can you imagine the value that they're missing right now? They're They're missing... Oh, yeah. The, the response of a pandemic, and I get why they can't be there. I'm not being like, oh, I'll get them there because the people that are actually saving lives need the equipment. But, you know, having that VR headset, popping it on and be able to follow them around, that would be clutch and, and super, super awesome learning experience that you're not really going to get uh, so, in most cases.
0: So I just I just mailed myself so I can have the business idea lockdowns for for future royalties in case somebody takes it. <laughs> the system's called the the doctor's virtual face shield.
1: Oh, I like it. <laughs> I like it.
0: Yeah. Build I mean, in, build in be... a screen into one of those face shields. They got flexible screens now. right? Yes.
1: And <laughs> and not only like, you know, I'm watching a a medical show right now. It won't call out because they're not a sponsor, but they actually had HoloLens and they were doing a really, really complicated uh, a heart surgery. I think it was. And they both the resident and the doctor put on HoloLens. And, you know, they had kind of the, the room spatially and they like blew up the heart and were doing surgery on like a blown up heart. And then they would test something and then take them off bypass and see if it would work. And oh uh, that calculation didn't work right and keep doing that. That's awesome in his own right, period. But being able to have residents not have to be there. And obviously, there's, there's no substitute for being there. I get it. But. For times like this, where you literally cannot be there, or maybe you're sick, you, you can't come into the to the hospital, or you know maybe you're you have a, a family emergency and you have to travel home, you could keep so much moving forward in that VR world rather than having to just not be there. And then I say that for residents, just because it's something that's been on top of my mind lately, uh, personally. But same thing for for learning like dentistry or you know the trades, um, anything like that, you could be with a person who's experienced and doing it for real. And, you know, especially for people like me, there's no substitute for watching it and doing it. So I think that would be super awesome. And, and like, to your point, we're kind of there, there's nothing technically limiting us from we, doing that. We
0: have know? robotic surgery now that, you know, urban, like very urban people, medical centers can like service people in need. So, mm-hmm. I mean, those things are really crazy looking when you see them operating i've seen i was at an event once where they had a doctor doing something on one side it wasn't a real surgery but it was just a demonstration and and like down the hall is this machine and it's like doing exactly it's it's insanely crazy and there's internet connections by providers that are like basically pinned up guaranteed bandwidth because that that's a deal breaker there you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) give me the number 10 scalpel oh latency went a little yeah. too far you know? <laughs> but that, that's that's what we refer to as a less than ideal situation right yes. so so like we can do that there's no reason why we can't do this other bit and and i think the more adoption it, there is for these things the cheaper it'll become right mm-hmm. so calling out the obvious it's there and it's, it's on the edge of Greatness, if you will. So, we kind of sum it up a couple things, right? So, there's multiple options for things out there, and and the things we're seeing a lot of the, and again, it's mostly because I think we're we're more for, from a day job perspective, more Microsoft oriented, is that we we see people asking like this whole OneNote for classrooms. We see a lot of that. We see success with Google Classroom. It's been around for a while, especially for districts that are one to one with Google devices. There's a lot of options out there. So. A couple tips that I have for people that are out there and supporting this, and and consultants and service providers who are servicing uh, the education k12 specifically but also higher ed is you know my tips uh, in situations like this is to to put a guide out for families on setting expectations around you know things to think of have you updated your your gear have you you know be it your router or your wireless access points if you have more than one um are, are you have iot devices in your house know that they're they're there and you know there are potential breach or into your own home if you don't do proper maintenance on them and they make it so easy to log into an administration portal and it says there's a new firmware push button upgrade it's it's really not a lot of work so so we recommend from a business side and from an education side those kind of things what are a couple other things that you can think of to offer out as as tips and advice before we we check on to a new segment today
1: Oh boy, I'm excited. Um, the one thing I want to touch on is sort of tech related and sort of not. Um, you know, I know right at the end of my high school and college career, there was a, a huge uptick in something crazy and and terrible, but you know, cyberbullying. Um, just throwing that out there. With everybody being online now, um, it's much easier to to harass people uh, through a keyboard than face to face. So you know, just as a uh heads up to the the parents uh listening which i'm sure you're already aware of this but if you haven't been thinking of this um just keep an eye on that um i think that making sure that everybody stays safe and that doesn't necessarily mean safe as a as a physical means but also a mental means make sure they're they're staying safe and not experiencing any issues there because that could be that could be quite bad. So, um, you know, with an uptick of, of people being behind screens, there's going to be an uptick of that. I'm sure it's a sad truth of, of the day and age we live in. So just a a shout out there and keep, keep an eye out for that.
0: Most excellent. Most excellent. So I'm going to, um, make my final statement, which I think in my head, it may be the title of our episode. Uh Oh, working from home and working from school, not much a difference.
1: Okay.
0: I don't know. I, I I see a lot of parallels, right? Working on data, making sure that you're secure and safe, making sure you're doing the right things, making sure that you're not going where you're not supposed to, making sure that your connections are good, and making sure that you're safe and secure. I don't know. Let's noodle on it.
1: I like it. I mean, you're right. Kind of the, the everything we've talked about today is kind of parallel. I mean, it's in a different lens, but you're looking at the same thing, right?
0: Yep. Absolutely. So, I wanted to. We mentioned a few episodes back that we're going to have a couple of new segments we're going to try to introduce now and again. And one of them is. I, I kind of like this philosophy of giving back to the community that we support as it pros. So I subscribed to all the Azure modern workplace, Microsoft Office 365, uh, Facebook pages, reddits, Instagrams, you know, you name, you name the mechanism. I try to be part of the community. There's also tech community and Microsoft, which we really recommend a lot of people. Well, we recommend everyone gets involved if you, especially for an it pro um, get on tech community. That's it's, it's strong there and it's very targeted to what you do but you can also get out of your comfort zone. So I I I prowl there and I and I see some questions out there and I tend to try to answer them. And then I tend to capture ones that are asked a lot. And so I I pulled a bunch of these and I kind of curated them. I have a team a personal team that I just have a landing place for, for researching things to move forward. And so I just kind of have a channel in there that I just throw a bunch of things in there that I see over and over and over again. And I thought, Hey, it might be a good idea to resurface some of those and research some of the really oddballs um, that don't happen often. So I'm going to throw this to you blind to see if you know how to answer this one. Oh boy! Normally we like to prep so we can have an answer, but I'm going to throw it to you blind and let's we'll see how you do.
1: So you're throwing it to me blind on a week where we're super busy and my head hurts. So yes. I'm, going pre- I'm going to preface that for all the listeners when I get it wrong. So here we go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so actually, I'm the only reason why I'm not giving this to you to prep for us because I know you know the answer. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Let me put it to that one. <laughs>
1: good. That'll so, look even worse if I get it wrong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so the question came in uh, no less than five times in the Reddit forums and no less than 15 times in some of the Facebook, LinkedIn avenues. And the question is something that I know you experienced and you might have even talked about it on the show before, but the difference when you're setting up in microsoft teams say you're turning on voice services what's the difference between auto attendant and groups and what are key things in setting both of those up that you should try to have in the back of your mind
1: oh i think i i think i repressed that whole project because i had to scramble and set like 300 people up in the course of like Seven hours. So <laughs> um yeah, so groups and auto attendants I think are are similar enough for confusion, um, but not necessarily similar enough for people to think they're the same. So um a auto attendant is the ability to kind of have some what's the word I want to look for? So I'm not just like reading a Microsoft article. It's a, it's the ability to be able to do some sort of uh, chain, chain trad- or path or, or something yeah. like that where Traditionally press one it's for called this, I- press two IVR. for that.
0: Yeah, right. IVR. <laughs> so
1: it's, it, it's to put some logic in um, for name your use case here so press one for this press two for that and, and or or just not even that just some sort of logic flow for some sort of call flow whereas groups are not necessarily logic based they're just a group of people that you can ring through some sort of means so if a number gets called ring one person then fail over to the second person after so long fail over to the third person after so long or ring them all at the same time or ring one person then ring everybody else whatever whatever it may be there doesn't have to be uh, I mean, there is logic there. Don't get me wrong, but there's not as much workflow, uh, as I'll call it. Um, whereas auto attendance gives you more ability to have some sort of thought process about where this call should be routed.
0: Excellent. So, Sorry, so yeah, for sure. So, so I'm going to give you the follow up question. I provisioned a bunch of phone numbers in advance of configuring my tenant. I know you know this, too, because this was a pain point. Hmm. <laughs> you, you provisioned all these numbers. But for some reason, when I go into a group and I try to assign phone numbers, those numbers are not showing up. So, and again, this is a leading question because we know this answer. So I want you to tell our listening audience why that may be.
1: Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the steps that I had to take to uh, to fix this issue or go overcome this issue. Well, it wasn't really an issue. It was me working on the sixth or seventh hour of doing this, scrambling and trying to get people home and safe. Um, first thing you got to do is is take a break. You got to get in your car, wear your mask, you gotta drive to Lowe's, go to the drywall section, get some some drywall repair kits. <laughs> get some paint, maybe come back home, fix all the holes you punched in the wall or bash your head into the wall. Um, and then, and then take a step back and think about it. Uh, and after that, you could probably realize that in the, in the Microsoft world, there's different numbers for different things, which I didn't really realize at first. So you can have specific numbers that are meant for auto attendance in different forms or different groups in different forms, etc. There's, I think five or six different options when you're trying to acquire numbers. And, um, the, the specific client that we had uh, did have this confusion, I think, between auto attendants and groups and said that they had I think it was group numbers, but I really needed auto attendant numbers. Uh, or vice versa. I can't remember what the specific use case was uh, off the top of my head, but they had one and I needed the other and they thought they had the other. So when I kept trying to do it, it didn't work. And then it would work sometimes because they had a handful of the other numbers and and it was a big headache, but it turns out that they had acquired the incorrect set of numbers, which wasn't really a big deal. We just go in and request a new set. Um, But it was quite aggravating. So um, for all the people listening that are doing this for clients, make sure you know what type of numbers you have before you start reciting. It won't let you mess it up but you will have to repair some holes in your walls Um, absolutely (laughs) but if you if you're doing it yourselves make sure when you acquire them you acquire the the correct ones
0: yeah, that's important. That's very important. And that's why, you know, people say it's so easy just to turn teams on where there's a lot of intricacies uh, to having some some guidance on how to do things, even if it's just like you want to do it yourself and you just need a, a little bit of a guidance. Or if, you know, you flat out just don't understand and have somebody to do it for you, that that's that's fine, too. Um, there's no no, one way is not better than the other. It's just having that understanding and the planning in advance of that. Now, here's the other thing that I'm going to throw out there that um, it's a challenge now to acquire numbers. And here's why. So the massive amounts of people that have moved to remote working um, statistics, roughly end of last month in one week, 12 million people added to teams. And then you throw an additional, um, you throw it up to like what, 44 million people and whatever the percentage. it's just, it's just increasing uh, at breakneck speed. So there are a finite amount of phone numbers within a particular area code. Right. And so where I used to be able to go in and and I was doing this for, for, for a client um, end of last week, they needed a little help. And so I was like, yeah, I'll help you. And it was easier for me to just do it. And I went, I needed to provision eight phone numbers and i went in there and it said here's 3 i'm like what like, <laughs> it's like how's that possible and the then it's not that we're running out of numbers it's just that the pool is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and they don't want the, the service providers don't want land grabs of massive blocks of phone numbers that are going to sit unused when people can use them because it's not just like hey run to your local big box store and pick up a, a crate of numbers. It's, you know,
1: (laughs) yeah, they're, they're trying to prevent the toilet paper
0: rush, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So that created a little bit of a challenge where, where, you know, I was like, okay, well, here's the deal. I know we recommended that you go here, but you're, we're gonna have to stage this so we're gonna be able to do like three today and it was it was leading into a weekend and i said we'd work at the weekend but three today um three saturday and three so i don't know if that's still the case because i haven't provisioned um since then but some people were reporting back that you know it's based upon how the volume of your tenant and the licensing amount in your tenant too that's also um Presenting you with those numbers.
1: Yeah, I was going to follow on with three things what you commented on one I think that depending on the size of your organization it it changes the amount of numbers you have available So there's that to look out for number two was um, When I was doing this I I had that problem for these that the organization that I was doing this for which you know But I'll I'll protect the innocent Um, I had an issue where they needed to get numbers and they didn't need numbers for necessarily everybody because we were routing it internal to their teams and we just needed a couple group numbers and it's in the weed stuff that we don't need to, to dwell on here, but, um, something that I realized is, and I can't remember which way it is. I wish I would, or I hadn't my notes with me because we, you know, we're flying blind on this question, but one of them, either attendance or groups, um, in some sort of configuration had a, a an exponentially more amount of numbers than the other one. So if you're in a pinch like they were and you want an auto attendant and, there you don't have enough numbers, perhaps re-architect it to utilize groups or vice versa, whichever way, I can't remember which way it was. Um, But I remember I looked, one had like, like you said, three or four numbers, and that was not enough. And the other one had like 20 numbers they gave me at a time. And you can request like a hundred and they'll give you so many. But one of them I requested, I think 10 and they gave me three. And one I requested like 20 and they gave me like 18. So um, I think... But keep in mind that you could re-architect the solution if you're in a pinch like they were. I mean, they were were in a situation where they were at risk... you know, for this, for this COVID virus. And they wanted to get all their non-essential personnel out, but they couldn't do that and keep the business running for the essential personnel until they had this phone system in place. So we had to do some scrambling and it might not have been the cleanest way to do it, but it was the most efficient way to do it uh, at the time. And it, and it worked well and, and we can always revisit and optimize, <coughs> excuse me, optimize later. Um, and the third thing was, um, Keep in mind, and this is not a a shameless plug. However, this is something that we do in the day job, especially for things like the phone system and especially in times of of chaos. Um, It's very easy to say, hey, consultant, do this for me, Um, but make sure that consultant, whoever it is, if it's if it's, you know, Michael or I or or anybody uh, for that matter. And even if it's internal, for that matter, uh, make sure they document everything. This is something, you know, it, it's a little bit different if they're making a, a quick power app that, yeah, somebody can reverse engineer it pretty quick. Something like this, if you don't document it, you're going to forget. I mean, think about this primetime example. I just did this at the start of the COVID. and it's, it's, it's so confusing and it's so um, big and so many options that you can get terminology mixed up very easily. And if something goes down and it needs to be up for some sort of, you know, health reason or essential business reason. Documentation is huge, especially in the phone system world. Um, so make sure that your internal person doing it, if they, you know, win a lottery and, and move to a, a island to stay away from the virus um make sure they have documentation so the next person can pick that up and the same goes for consultants so if you want somebody to come in and just do it that's great um like this organization did because they needed somebody that you know could do it quickly um but make sure they document everything uh and make sure that that you have access to that documentation to be able to manage and move and, and update things in the future
0: very good points excellent points um so, so one of the follow up questions uh, online that I saw that was related to this, and and I know for for time's sake, we'll we'll kind of try to keep it keep it short here. Um, but it it's got to go hand in hand with this question is is like how to handle resource accounts, and so I'm gonna take part of this and then I'll toss it toss it to you. Uh, See if there's any additional bits. So, resource. In order to have a group or an auto attendant, there needs to be some some account from a from an AD perspective or an AAD perspective that kind of owns that service. And so, you need to create what is called a resource account. And when you provision that resource account, um, you need to provision it a certain way based upon what use you're going to use it for. And then you also need to license it a specific way. And you in Microsoft gives you licensing uh, gratis for those up to a certain amount based upon your tenant size and what have you. So thinking through the whole plan and, where you're going now, uh, three months, six months, 12 months, three years, five years, 10 years down the line, however, however you need to project it out, understanding how you use those resource accounts and the way they go. Um, because there is a limit on them, but it's not that it's like, it's not like a deal breaker. It's usually, it's like a really crazy amount (laughs) that they offer you, but you don't, you want to be efficient because there's a management bit there. Right. And there's also a licensing bit that you need to be concerned with. And here's the, here's the thing to can Consider. If you provision and you license and de-license things certain ways, you can't treat that account because it's interfacing with a service. The same as if you, I'll be flippant, jacked up an AD account for a user because there's th- you can go in there, rename certain things, you can do certain things to make it work. Uh, you can't do that with resource accounts. If the licensing gets uh, gets bungled up, you need to s- scrap it and start over again. Uh, for sanity's sake, because you'll you'll go through it and say you, you you make a change and then you get out of it and then you come back into it and you're like, oh, that wasn't right. I'm going to change it back. It'll look like it changed and then it'll look like the service is running, but nothing will work. So here's the things where having the experience, you know, comes in handy. And if you are out there nimbly, you know, pivoting around and bouncing around, um, know that there are a lot of things that you need to have in mind when you do these kind of things. Uh, yes, it is easy to turn this off. And yes, you know, Microsoft is right. And Google is right from a Google side. It is easy to turn this stuff on. Uh, it is not as easy to do it properly. And it's even harder to do it where it's sustainable as a mechanism to move forward. So even if it's just getting some insight and a review or a check on what you're doing uh, with a peer or your provider or, you know, a group like like uh, that, that's what, that's what we're all here for and to make it a good solution. So that being said, any further things on resource accounts?
1: Yeah, similar to the whole um, making sure you pick the right numbers make sure you pick the right resource accounts and if you're doing both it's even more of a challenge to keep it straight in your head um, because you need Resource accounts for specific numbers, and you need to request both, and and it filters it for you. But you need to make sure your numbers and counts are right, or or you'll really be banging your head against the wall. So, um, again, even you know, if if somebody's setting it up and doesn't have good documentation, I would be afraid for that solution, uh, quite (laughs) honestly, because you need to you need to uh you know document that just for yourself to keep it straight. Um, but yeah, just make sure that they can they can document that because that's something that is going to take a lot of time to reverse engineer, um, and you don't want to do that if you're if you're scrambling to do something critical
0: yep you're right 100 right there and uh you know, it's, it's also the planning, right? So we're at an advantage over organizations. There are things available online. Microsoft provides it. Google provides it. All the different providers provide some sort of a deployment planning guide. Uh, we have these like super guides and super spreadsheets and matrices where we sit down and we figure it all out. We lay it out in advance of deployment and then we do the as-built documentation as you're recommending. Um, so that that's an advantage. And if you are making a run or a go at it yourself, um, try to get that all those little hidden things called out on a big matrix so you can be sustainable and and move forward with something. And and here's the thing, too, is you might have done it and it might be on and you're thinking, ah, it was nothing. I turned it on. We revisit that in the future when you scale it out or when you add additional services or you're trying to couple other features and things to make your your world easy. Choices you decide early have long-ranging impact. And if you don't have a good uh, well-documentation, you're going to find you're going to find challenges down the road. So,
1: yeah, just putting a bow on that. I think that, you know, a lot of organizations, uh, you know, the, the, the one that I did, um, luckily knew the advantages of this. So, um, it sounds like it's a it's a waste of time. It really does when you're sitting there making a visio or making a spreadsheet when there's people that literally need to go home. Um, they need to they need to be safe and, and away from other people and social distancing. Um, but I promise if you if you take the time to do that and think it through and, and do all the steps you'll be saving time in the long run. It doesn't sound like it, but there's no, there's no substitution for good preparation. So if you do that, you can you know, bang out the the technical bits really quickly and you will run into less challenges. Maybe not zero challenges, but less challenges. Um, then if you just try to jump in, you're going to be frustrated and you're going to need multiple low strips to to clean up holes in your walls, so.
0: <laughs> Keeping the gypsum industry uh, in business. <laughs> exactly all right very good so so we're gonna postpone um the video of the week until our second recording this week we're doing again two recordings this week um we're gonna postpone that until the next show so stay tuned for that and we may do some more questions or roll in another segment too as well so um that being said um let's put a bell on this and uh keep the time down so people can get back to being productive thank you uh JG, appreciate you being on, uh, running this with us and, um, any final comments, goodbyes, stay safe. No, just stay safe as always. And uh, we'll see you next show. Alrighty. Thank you everyone. Look in the show notes for the sponsors. All right. Have a good day, everyone. Thanks. Bye. Today's show is produced by Mr. Wentworth, directed by Michael Askins. Graphics and artwork provided by art by Sophia, edited by Mr. Wentworth. Visit the show notes for terms and conditions. So one of the favorite phrases I, I picked up from um, a guy I used to work with in the medical world, when something was stated that is factual. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I, I tend to say, you know, agreed or can confirm, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of a, that approach. I uh, got agreed from you. Yeah. <laughs> he, he freaking used to say that is a true statement.
1: Oh, you <laughs> say that a ton.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> Actually, I picked that up from him. thanks thanks thanks, jeff if you listen (laughs) and snap (laughs) what's up dude where's your snapper oh somewhere my office has got super messy